I'ma give it to you tasty. Bread it up, fry it, and dip it in the gravy. You want fat fish? Yeah, you know you want to try it. Dip it in the butter, make the fat count higher. Higher, higher, higher. Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker, an eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price. Simply put, your glasses shouldn't cost as much as the iPhone X. Warby Parker's prescription glasses start at $95. And they do sunglasses too. Buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl. Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home. You can choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way, you can try all the frames and pick your favorite. And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. Daniel wears Warby Parker, and now he can actually see me. And I'm considering a divorce. Hey! So to get started, head over to warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Again, that's warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Warby Parker. Modern eyewear made simple. Thanks a lot. This is Grizzly Kiki. I'm Robert. And I'm Daniel. And we're back. Again. Again. <laughs> um, what, um... What have we been up to? Recovering from DragCon. Mm. I don't know how, I wonder how like the fans do it. Like, do the fans feel the fatigue afterward too? They're, I mean, I'm sure they feel the fatigue, but they're not, like, they're not the ones having to like, wait, I mean, I don't know a better word than like wait on them. Well, but they have to like, the way I look at it is like, we're all standing. Yes. Like with the exception of a few people who like are going to be seated for most of the time Mm -hmm. because that's like. You know, like Asia had a huge like chaise lounge, like a couple of the girls had like thrones and stuff, you know. So like they are going to be seated for a large portion of the event. Um, But aside from that, pretty much everybody's standing Mm -hmm. the whole time. So there's just like, I don't know, there's just like a level of fatigue that I experience when I'm standing for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I mean, I think it's that, you know, like. As a, as just a spectator, you're just kind of going to the amusement park. Mm. So like when you get home, you're tired, but you're like, oh my god, I got to see so and so and so and so, and yeah, like that's tons of fun. Mm-hmm. But I think like when you're helping out, like we were with Jiggly, mm-hmm. you know, you're there's a little more fatigue because like you're selling merch and you're keeping money and you're you know like basically serving people, right? You know, you're helping helping them get what they want and like moving them along. So there's a little more. Um, stuff that goes into hmm. i mean i also think i developed some sort of sinus infection stuck on that plate well so i mean know. there weren't many good things about stuck on that plane no no no. i mean one of the all. great things for me was so i've been wanting to see a wrinkle in time for a while mm-hmm. and so we both individually got to watch it mm-hmm. but I feel like I missed part of it. You were asleep for quite a bit. Yeah. So there were a lot of people on our plane that were watching A Wrinkle in Time. And I, so I finished watching it. I didn't really love it. 
Um, I didn't, I didn't necessarily hate it. I just thought that the acting was really like weak considering it was a Disney movie. Mm. Um, I also didn't understand why one of the kids was referred to by their first and last name through the whole movie, but I haven't read the book. That wasn't his first and last name. Oh, that was his name. Really? Like Ana Maria? No, but it wasn't Ana Maria. That's like easy to say. I know he was, I don't know, Walter Chesterton. I can't remember, but like that was just his name. It's like your first and last name is Chadwick Boseman. Mm -hmm. It was that. It was very that. It was like a very, like it was a, it was a mouthful. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was just like, why are we all referring to this child like they're a like like a child scientist or something? Well, but he was this super smart, like you know, little preppy kid who was the one who you know had like the connection to the Mrs. What's it? Oh, so he was like friends with the witches. Yeah, he he was the one that they came that that Reese Witherspoon, who's Mrs. What's it? I think she was Mrs. What's it? Who was Mindy Kaling? And I then mean, Mrs. What was Oprah? There was a witch, a what, and a who, and a who? No, no, it wasn't a witch. Oh, uh, who's Mrs. It? Witch. I can't remember. I uh, forget. It was who's it, witch, and I don't know why. I don't remember. I don't know. Anyway, you get the idea. But um, he had the I don't know the third eye or whatever that like made him more receptive to to uh, to the witch's taunts. <laughs> sure (laughs) um and his sister wasn't so receptive so what was going on with the makeup in this movie wait but hold on what did you think of the plot um i thought it was weak Mm. have you read the book i read the book a very very long time ago but i remember enjoying it a lot okay and i have to say that the payoff at the end uh, it it was very sweet it made me kind of cry a little bit because it was um it was just really sweet you know and like Finding your lost parent or whatever, like it was, um, it just triggered a little emotion. Um, I do, I can see where this movie would resonate with people who have lost a parent mm-hmm. or who are a product of divorce. Mm-hmm. I can see where it would definitely resonate with with um, people, but it's. I've also I've also heard that anyone who's read the book has a very different experience of the movie because they understand, I guess they understand the story a little better. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like you understood the story better? Because I lost a parent? No, because it's like you're not listening to what I'm saying because you read the book. I was just talking about oh, reading the no, book. because I don't remember the book at all. Oh, okay. So like, no, I mean, I, I mean, obviously it resonated with me because I lost a parent and I would love it if I could, you know, like travel through a wrinkle in time and bring my mother back, but that's not, Real. Well, no, but I'm. I'm. Uh, my question was about you having read the book. Oh, then because no. I I know that there were a couple of people who I I I'd heard from a couple of other people who had read the book mm-hmm. that they just they were able to enjoy the movie a little better. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just didn't really care for it. I was confused by the makeup. Um, Ooh. I also I had been watching The Office before I put on A Wrinkle in Time, so I was able to see Mindy Kaling in just like fluorescent lighting, basically. Mm-hmm. Because she's in an office setting for most of the office, right? Um, <laughs> and then to go from that to this, like, you know, candy-colored world of A Wrinkle in Time, and it looks like they're lighting Mindy. Well, actually, lighting is not even the right word. It's like they put Mindy in the dark for the whole movie. Even when they were in, like, sunlight. Yeah. It was like she was completely... It was like she was darkened on purpose for some mm. strange reason. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just the makeup. The makeup was terribly disconcerting me on all three of them. Because, like, Mindy Kaling was super, super, like, 
much darker than her skin tone actually is. And then what they highlighted her with made it made her look ashy. It was very yeah. it was very, very strange. Yeah. Reese Witherspoon looked like somebody had just smudged eyeshadow on oh, her. Oh, who cares about her? Um <laughs> well, we're going I like Reese Witherspoon. No, but I'm saying like in terms of the movie. Well, she was the her... one pushing things along though. But she was the she was basically the white privilege witch. That's what uh, I took away from it. No, she was the one who was like challenging the girl to like she was basically like, you know, oh my god, two name boy, I cannot remember the name. Save Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Um <laughs> Just because, like, that sounds like a really, that's a long, that to me is like a very long name. The Wrinkle in Time Black Arnold Panther Schwarzenegger. crossover. Um, yes, Little Arnold Schwarzenegger. And don't say it any other way. You have to say Arnold Schwarzenegger exactly. every time you refer to him. And, you know, so she would challenge little Susie, right, for lack of a better name. Yeah. Um, To be like, see, she doesn't get it, Arnold Schwarzenegger. She's not good at this. She did look like Susie from the Rugrats, didn't she? Well, yeah. Just a tiny bit. But I can't remember. I, I feel like Susie, Susie on a bad day. Although Susie was kind of moody. Yeah. On the Rugrats. Yeah. Because she was fucking pissed with Angelica Pickles. Yeah. Like, I liked Susie. You would be too. Yeah, I liked her better. Susie was like the rebel. Mm-hmm. Let's um, talk about the Rugrats instead. No. <laughs> um, Remember when all Chucky wanted was a mom? Shut up. Sorry. God I almighty. loved that show. And I, I was way too. too old to be watching I it. I hated when they grew up. That was so stupid. Oh, yeah. It defeats the purpose. Ugh. Um. Anyway. A Wrinkle in Time. Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I think Reese Witherspoon's function was to taunt her, to push her, to like open her mind. Right? Right. But so did, her- don't you feel like a lot of her personality was like not unnecessary, but that of someone exhibiting their white privilege? Like, I guess. You know sure. I, mean? I, I, I think it was unnecessary. And that's why Oprah and Mindy were like, girl, like enough. People all the time because i think she was just like we've got to get this boy and his you know we've got to get this these kids dads back we've got to get these kids back with their dad mm-hmm. the boy is being helpful little Susie is not so let's drop what's, her what's the boy's name arnold schwarzenegger okay let's drop little Susie. i'm and just keep trying on going I'm with arnold to, schwarzenegger i'm trying to impress upon the listeners how annoying it was to hear this yes. child's long ass name throughout the entire movie mm-hmm. Let's keep on going. So anyway, that that's what I think her function is. Oh, okay. And then Oprah. Oprah. Why these Oprahs? Yeah, it was like someone got the, um, I don't remember the name of the palette, but one of the Pat McGrath's like, um, glitter palettes. Someone got the glitter palette as a gift and was like, ooh, let's try this out, girl. But we're not, no one's going to see us tonight. So it's just like, let's play around. It's just bad. It was really bad for Oprah? Oprah. Like, that's how you do Oprah? Like, she's supposed to be, like, you know, she's the biggest of them all. Like, the most powerful. The sage one. And, like, she has fucking, like, glittery garages and, like, a terrible half-ass glitter lip. And what looked like a, like rectangle eyebrows made of jewels or this. It was just, that was bad. She looks very familiar. That was, re- <laughs> are you talking about me? No, I'm not. Um... But uh, anyway, it's a reference to something you you said something after we watched the movie. But I'm I'm not going to say it because it's mean. But um, I'll oh, tell damn. I'll tell you later. So I said something mean because you're going to start looking through the files right now to figure out what you said. My files don't are do all... that. Don't do that. Um, I, my thing is like yes, Oprah was the wise sage one. She was also the tallest of the three witches. Mm-hmm. Um, which wait, were they witches or am I just fucking this up? They were some. They were. She was the tallest of the three women mm-hmm. that were appearing to these, these people. Right. So 
she needed to like if not for the fact of her being like the biggest of the three characters Mm -hmm. for the fact that the biggest of the three characters was played by fucking oprah you Mm -hmm. do that makeup right yeah I mean, she could shrink herself, and she did at one point, and they were like, oh, you're normal size. Like, <laughs> it's oh. very funny. But I love when Reese Witherspoon turned into that, like, plant dragon. That was cute. Oh, see, I fell asleep for that part. Oh, that was cute. She had them riding on her back like Falcor, and then when she had to do a dive, she wrapped them up like a like a lettuce tortilla. Oh, I do remember that. That was really good. I, I like that. I remember this. I really like that. That's cute. That'll be I like, fun. I like the movie. I mean, it it's... um. It reminded me of like uh, when I think Disney did um, the the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I think yeah, and it was just so bad, uh-huh. so bad, and a waste of Tilda Swinton of Tilda Swinton's you know, talent. Talent. It yeah. was just it's just there. It's it's a little too mm, like Party City. Mm. I mean, to use you know a reference that's been used to death, but right. it was just a little cheap. But I like the story. Well, she made up for it in Doctor Strange. Right, wasn't that the movie? Well, just kidding, haha, <laughs> just kidding. Um, so after we both watched A Wrinkle in Time, we then diverted and watched two different movies. We did. Do you want me to tell you about my my movie first, or do you want to go first? I'll go first. Why okay, not? Go ahead. So I have been wanting to watch Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children for quite some time now, but Robert won't watch it with me. Um, it looks terrible because we don't want to watch fantasy movies. Um, no, because it looks terrible. Yeah, but you won't even give it a chance. It looks like the type of movie I'd hate. It was really, really cool. Okay. And it satisfied all of my, like, I don't know, like, little kid inside that loves fantasy movies. It reminded me of beautiful, is it beautiful creatures or? Oh, no, that was terrible. Okay, there you go. That's no, why. No, this was, this was, far, this was, like, really, I've never read the books, but this was really good and really, really scary. To me, th- movies like that are, it's like if you were to combine Fifty Shades of Grey and Harry Potter. It's like with Harry Potter, I'm hanging on by a thread because I'm only, like, mildly interested in the movie. But with Fifty Shades of Grey, it's like, okay, where's the dick? Like, show me the dick, right? Uh, like, that's why we watched that movie. And so then... I didn't want to watch that movie at all. for any reason. Right, I made us watch that movie, I know. And you didn't even fast forward to the dick. You made us watch the whole fucking thing. And then when it came out on DVD, I, um, I downloaded an illegal copy and I screenshot the dick. So I have it forever. I never have to watch the movie again. It's, okay. it's fine. I mean, it's, right. it's uncircumcised. Eh. We rarely get uncircumcised dick in fucking feature-length films. Dick in films doesn't excite me very much. Don't you love how you wanted to talk about your movie and I derailed? Yes, because you're, you're, this, this my is what point, you're doing today. My point is that they take this like dark sex thing and then mo- like marry it with fantasy. And whenever I see that, and I, I know that Miss Peregrine School for Wayward Children, or whatever the fuck it's called, I know that that movie's about like kids. But there was some little girl in there who like is like a banshee underwater or some shit. And there it looked like there was no. some kind of there was no, some no, kind no, of no. See if you wouldn't interrupt me and let me summarize the movie. Okay, I was explaining to you why I didn't want to watch it. Go no. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You got her all wrong. Go ahead. She basically takes care of these kids who are it's basically like x-men but with a little more fantasy okay so and a little more like like not romanticized like romance just the the atmosphere you Mm. know she basically has them in this house she's she's this this type of peculiar person who can turn into a bird that's why she's called miss peregrine and she can control time and so what she basically does is creates a loop to keep these children safe from this other group of people who are trying to capture their eyes to make themselves immortal. Ooh, girl. Exactly. So, oh, because they, because, um, oh, God, was it Samuel L. Jackson movie? 
I didn't want anyway, to remember. The evil guy heads up this other group of evil people who tried to perform an experiment on people like Miss Peregrine in order to turn their time changing powers into immortality. Oh. And instead, what they did was create these monsters that had no faces and just like big spikes for hands and arms. Mm -hmm. And the only way that they could return to human form and be sane again is by eating eyes of the peculiar children. Oh. Yeah, it's dark. dark. It's dark. And then the girl who's the banshee, she floats. She's light as air. Mm -hmm. So she has to wear lead shoes. Mm -hmm. But she can also control air. So she raises a boat from the ocean for them to go away on by basically blowing air into the ship to push out all the water. Oh. That's what you're seeing. And... Did she or did she not have some kind of uh, like romance with one of well, the other young children? Because the boy... Well, she was dating... Mind you, they, they've been in this loop. Basically, it repeats. The, yeah. The day repeats, but they don't... It's not like... They're not conscious home. of it. No, no, they know. Oh, like, okay. they're, they're aware that time's passing. Okay. So they have to relive the day. Like, you know, they know like when the squirrel's going to fall out of the tree. Because the whole thing is that that house got bombed because of a like a nazi blitz okay oh. so she miss peregrine created the loop uh right before the bomb fell right so to everybody outside the loop in 2016 the nursery like the the, the home's destroyed right but when you go through the loop they're living there protected because nobody knows how to get in right except for the boy uh -huh. who doesn't think he's peculiar but actually he is because he can see these creatures that are oh. trying to get them because they're invisible to everybody else. Okay. So that's the whole thing. And I know I'm doing a terrible job because I don't remember the names of people. But she can float. There's a boy who can reanimate things by making hearts beat. Mm -hmm. There are the two twins who are Medusas mm -hmm. and turn somebody to stone. There's the little girl who has a mouth in the back of her head. There's an invisible boy. Yeah, and the floaty girl. So I just really liked it because it was just really interesting to me and a different concept in terms of like, I guess, young adult like fantasy, mm -hmm. you know, um, and like a new spin on like being different and being persecuted. Mm -hmm. You know, it was very interesting. And also seeing these like kids who, unlike the X-Men, don't have like these aren't super intense powers. You know, mm -hmm. like they're not setting things. Oh, and one girl could set things on fire. It's kind of cool. Um, but it's a, it's, it's, uh, they're a little more, more vulnerable, but they work together to like stop the bad guys. Mm. I just really liked it. Mm -hmm. And I liked the look of it. It was like Victorian and dark and, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, it was just, it was kind of sweet. Hmm. But. Um, and then I watched Proud Mary. How was it? It was so bad that I turned it off when like, when we were still in the air and thought that we were like flying to our final destination, I turned Ooh. it off thinking like, oh, we're going to land soon and I don't care about any of this movie anymore. So let me just turn that off. And The Office was playing on Comedy Central. So I was like, I can just watch that. And then when they grounded the plane, I was like, you know, I'm not doing anything else. And here's the screen just staring at me. I guess I'll finish this movie. And so here's the problem. The problem is I love Taraji P. Henson and I feel like maybe she doesn't make the best choices when it comes to picking movies because mm. this is the first of two movies in a row that she did. The second being Acrimony, which I haven't seen yet, but I will watch it. I will fucking watch it. I really want to watch Acrimony. I want to watch it too. Um, mostly because the posters look really cool uh, and I don't know why, like that's not a reason to watch a movie, but um, I love Taraji P. Henson. I love a female assassin. For some reason, this one just didn't work. 
mostly because the majority of the movie was her trying to like so there's this kid who's a drug dealer but he's like a he's like really young he's like 11 or 12 he's like very very young and um he's like a runner for a like a big uh like mob boss and um he's trying to get like i guess he's trying to get out of it or something and um taraji like comes along and try or mary we know her name because it's in the title um mary 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 comes along and uh tries to save him and there's this whole backstory about how like she killed his dad um and felt bad because like she didn't realize that there was a kid there that there was like someone else like someone else that this man had to care for she was just like no he's a mark he didn't pay back his um his like his like bookie debt or whatever the fuck and so I have to go kill him. Like Wait, that was her I have job. A question because yes. I didn't watch this. Is this like a black exploitation style movie? So because that's I, what the poster makes it look like. So I don't know if that's the whole purpose of the movie. It didn't really feel like a black exploitation mm-hmm. movie, other than and this. I don't know if this is really a black exploitation thing, but it was clear when uh, Danny Glover. So Danny Glover is like the mob boss that uh, oh Mary God. works for. Um, when Danny Glover would speak, it was very clear that his lines were not like you weren't hearing the recording from when they filmed that scene. You were hearing like whatever the post. Oh, they dubbed it. They dubbed it over later. The mouth basically matched, but like there, you could tell that it was like this doesn't. There's there's something uh, like incongruous about the yeah yeah. Um, and I don't know. I know that that's definitely a um like a stylistically that's something that you'd see in a kung fu movie. But I don't know. I I've seen a few black exploitation movies. I don't think they've done that. They don't do that in the yeah. So that's yeah. just. No, I meant because, like, just the poster looks so 70. Well, I think they were trying to make a black exploitation f- or, like, trying to pull from, um, like, pull inspiration from black exploitation films. Mm-hmm. But there was nothing. I don't know. I, I don't really, I don't know a lot about black exploitation films, but from the little bit that I've seen of it being referenced in pop culture and stuff, I didn't get uh, black exploitation. What I did get was. And this is very specific. Romeo Must Die. That's what this reminded me of. Oh, I've never seen um, that. Which was also... Jet Li and... And Aaliyah. Oh. It was hot garbage, but I saw it 8 million times because I was a big fan. I still am a big fan of Aaliyah, but like... I don't have questionable taste. I'm a fan of Aaliyah. Questionable taste in movies. And also DMX was in it, and I was a big fan of DMX at the time, so... Um, but... Uh, yeah, I was just curious about this movie. It was a hot, it was hot garbage, but it it was hot garbage because it didn't know what it wanted to be. Like it was trying to be several different things. It was trying to be like um, the Blind Side, but with a gun. Like it, it just it didn't ever work. And also, I feel like the majority of the time in movies like this, where someone is trying to leave their mob family, mm-hmm. or like someone's an assassin but they want to get out of the game. They normally end up dying at the end. And she got away way too easily. Like, mm. she got shot at one point and stuff, but, like, everything was just, it was fine. Everything was fine at the end. Like, I didn't understand that. Isn't that weird when you get shot at and you're fine in the end and you weren't expecting it? Yeah, it's like there are some major arteries that are um, in question right now. Yeah. You should probably go to a hospital. Like, oh, wait, they hit her. What do you mean they hit her? They wait. shot her. Oh, it didn't miss. She got shot. Yeah. Oh, it made contact. Yeah. The funny thing about this movie, and it's it's never been more apparent, but I guess like, you know, this is normal for Hollywood. But um, she would she would aim and shoot someone and shoot them right between the eyes. And then someone would shoot her back and it would basically be like, oh, they're fine. Like, she's fine. The, the bullets completely miss her. 
I don't know. I didn't understand it at all. I always think it's strange in movies when bullets just miss people. You know, like when like like they'll take up a like a, a garbage can cover and like be running and the bullets just go pew, you know, like But then they turn around and with one shot, like we'll kill someone. Yeah. Instantly. That's that's not right. Because if that were me, I'd be dead. Which movie would you watch? Let us know. Yeah. Um, so speaking of gunshots that don't hit anybody. Well, let's take a break. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's take a break first. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about a man who fought off a mugger because of his baton bag. And I know you want to hear about that. So stick around. We'll be right back. Oh, hi, it's me, Robert. And I have a question. Do you shop on Amazon? If so, you can be a supporter of our show. Just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the Amazon button in our menu. Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy. And it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it, and every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the key key going. We're back, and it's time to talk about Daniel, who apparently got <laughs> held up, and I didn't know about it. Why does it have to be me? Because you would do some shit like oh, this. Oh, no, I would not. I would... When I heard about this story, I was like, my husband got mugged, and he didn't even tell me. And he fought off his attacker. That's fucking cool. I mean, this guy didn't fight. He ran. Whatever. So, no, if you if you shoot at me... Have you ever been mugged? No. Okay. But if I were mugged, if I were mugged, here, take it. You want my shoes? Take it. You want my pants? Take it. That's it. Like, just take it all. Right. Like, no, 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 no. The weird mugger. Well, you know, what's that pants? So the mugger is like, well, give me those Levi's. I'm really hot and it's distracting as in a Speedo. That's how... What? I don't know. I was... It was a stretch. Um, <laughs> I feel like we both have dick on the brain, right? That's about... <laughs> I always have dick on the brain. So what's your problem? I don't know. Mm. Um, so tell me about this man that you ran away from. <laughs> so... Shut up, Robert. Um, so the man in question is named Jared or Gerard Cluding from Holland Township, Michigan. And he actually just moved to Michigan a few months before from Chicago. Okay. And he was on his way home from doing some shopping with his Louis Vuitton Catan bag. And this guy came up to him. And before he could think, the guy like threw on a bandana, whipped out a gun, shot in the air, and demanded his bag. Hold on a second. So this man showed up with his face all out mm -hmm. and then was like, wait, wait, wait. Let me cover my face real quick. This is a stupid mugger. Well, then he deserved to be, you know, like, he deserved who, to be unsuccessful. At his yeah. Liking. And the guy was like, I thought something was weird because like he could see him approaching him in like a, like an offense, you know, like, like kind of throwing his weight. You know? Okay. So it's like, but then, like, when the person sees you, that's when you put on your bandana, babe? Like, yeah, no. I've never mugged anybody, but I feel like not having your bandana on from the beginning is counterintuitive. I have a big face, so I don't think a bandana's going to cover it. was it. also broad daylight, and there were other people around. Oh. Yeah. So, like... So what you're telling me is that you were at the same park as this gentleman. You saw his bag and you were like, mm, that's the bag I wanted. Mm -hmm. And then you were like, hold on. I happen to have a bandana. Or a hanky. Yeah. My trusty hanky. Um, and I mugged a bitch. No. Um, so anyway, this guy who apparently is a model, but doesn't look like, saved yeah, no. up for a long time to buy this bag. He visited with it. See, this is the part where I thought he was like you with your Louis Vuitton wallet. He, and here's the proof that he's not a model. He visited. He had to save and, and visit 
is it? For a, N- models don't yeah. do that. Well, I mean, it's a $1,700 bag plus taxes. So It's Louis Vuitton. It's not like it's Hermes. But that's a, I wouldn't, uh, like, as much money as I spend on my bags, I don't think that I could spend that much money on a bag. I bought, okay, I made two very big purchases when I was in college. I bought a pair of diesel sneakers, which I had an allowance that my parents gave me because I was having a hard time finding a job. And then when I got a job, I bought a Louis Vuitton wallet. And for both of those, I had to save up money. Why? Because I was a college student mm-hmm. working at Blockbuster. This gentleman is supposedly a model. I mean, models have the expendable income to afford a $2,000 bag. Maybe he's like like a JCPenney. I mean, he lives in Holland Township, Michigan. I doubt that that's like a hotbed of the model industry. Look. So I'm assuming he's like Penny Saver, JCPenney, like Sears. He models for Alpo. I got it. He models. Wow. (laughs) He got mugged. Right. Actually, he didn't get mugged. Maybe he should. But does it count as a mugging if it's if it's not successful? Mm, he fought off his mugger. Okay. He fought off his muggle. Fought off. He ripped off his muzzle, <laughs> and then told the world, "I love Louis Vuitton, oh, and I will do anything." In such a direction. So, what else happened? Anywho, the guy goes, "Give me your bag," and he yells at him, saying, "I'm not giving you my bag." As the guy, and then proceeds to, he fired a second warning shot. These are warning shots? Yeah. He said again, I'm not giving you my bag. He took off running and heard two more shots that went off right behind him. So this was like a phew, phew, like they missed him. And he's like, um, he's like, and I was actually waiting to be hit by it. But they, as they say, you'll never hear the shot that hits you. I looked over my shoulder and the guy was running away. Wait, who says that? This guy, apparently. You'll never hear the shot that hits you? Is that a phrase? I don't know. Is that a thing? Like, the more I think about this story, the more I'm like, you're dumb. Yeah. I mean, he fits the stereotype. Like, I I don't know. And then he goes on to say, like, he doesn't have any regrets. But in, you know, had this happened again, he would just give him the bag. And um, that, you know, he's saying, like, the media sensationalized the story about the bag. But that it's not about the bag. It's a stand against gun violence. Okay, Fritz Bernays. Um, And... And he wants to <laughs> shut up and he wants to be able to walk safely in his everyday life without being threatened by somebody else. And so he's going to wear an orange ribbon throughout June because it's going to wear in a smile. There's more. So does there have to be? Well, I mean, basically. And so so the the interview that we chose to reference was from GQ. So it's it's much like they asked him a lot, like many more questions than just like the, the local. That they needed to. Exactly. Um. So I guess since then, um, people have, um, shut up. Sorry, I'm laughing because I'm thinking, well, was he on the cover though? So since then they asked him about <laughs> it and he's like, um, prior to the first shot, I thought, is the gun real or not? Oh, stop it. He thought to charge him. But then when the first shot happened, he was like, oh, it's a real gun. Real or fake? I'm not going to question you pulling a, like, I see a gun, I see a gun. You want it, you take it. Yeah. I'm not going to run away. I don't want to get shot in the back. Yeah, I don't, like, if you pull a gun on me, I'm not going to be like, sir, can I see a certificate of authenticity? Mm-hmm. No. Like, I'm just going to believe like, you. I worked hard for this. Yeah. Like, I work hard to stay alive. Yeah, I work hard for this, but so did you, girl. You put on your little bandana and you brought your gun out. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Enjoy. And I looked up this bag on eBay because I know this bag. And I actually wanted this particular bag at one point. They're like $800, you know. Do you used. see why? Do you see why I thought it was I him? want every bag, Robert. 
I know you do. I'm every bag. But specifically Louis Vuitton. I went through a phase. I, I remember the phase. But I'm I like I don't want like I don't know. I just all those logos and shit. I'm mm. not crazy I'm, about I it. I used to love Louis Vuitton. It's a really beautiful brand. I think the designs are very nice. But if I were to actually spend money on a Louis Vuitton bag, I would get one of the the leather ones that have no like logos on. Them. Oh, okay. Because I like the design. I mean, my wallet, my Louis Vuitton wallet, which I bought in 2004, mm-hmm. um, I have never purchased another wallet since. It's a beautiful wallet. It's a beautiful wallet, and other than fading on one side, mm-hmm. it has been very good to me. Well, and it's also, so. it's the it's the monogram glacé, which is, you know, the it's like embossed into the leather. That's a little different, mm-hmm. but it's leather. Mm-hmm. The, the monogram canvas is just um, cotton that's been plastic-coated and then silk-screened with the LVs, oh. which can rub off over time. I mean, maybe you should tell Fritz Bernays about this. Maybe he'll think right. twice about running from a mugger next time. What's worse, you know how they have the multicolor, the white, like the white and black? That is silk screened on top of the brown and gold LVs, mm-hmm. and that rubs off faster than um, the classic monogram. Like, if you get any type of makeup or, or like, anything that has oil in it uh-huh. on the the surface, it'll it'll come off over time. See, I had a fake, um, and I, I knew, like, people knew it was fake because they don't make, or they, I guess they didn't make the, um, the, you know, the white, um, the white with the colored letter mm-hmm. monogram wallet. Mm-hmm. They, I had one, but it was, like, a men's wallet. It wasn't, like, the zip-up wallet or whatever. It was oh. very obviously fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it red on the inside? No. Oh. Okay. Um, it was, it was definitely fake. Like, it was absolutely fake. Um, but, um, I I wore it for like maybe a, like a couple of weeks before I bought the real one. And the blue, like the dye from my jeans was absorbed into the wallet to the point where it turned like a light blue. That'll happen to the real one, too. I mean, any type of heavy dyes. See, I mean, and I thought yeah. that it was happening to me because I had a fake. They're beautiful. I mean, they're they make beautiful designs. Also the, the face the lady made because I had to pull out that wallet. When I bought my, well, obviously, because they don't make, like, Louis Vuitton does not make that wallet. No, they don't make a men's wallet in the multicolor. Exactly. At least not now. At least then they did not. They definitely didn't. But the face, like, I felt so embarrassed pulling that wallet out to pay for this new wallet that I was buying. Mm. Totally like a stupid white people problem, but like, whatever. Whatever. It just, it was a, it was a moment. And yeah. Um, so is there more about Fritz Bernays? I mean, basically, people have offered to purchase the bag from him and, like, all Why? sorts of weird things. Um, the the thing that I think is weird that kind of bothers me is that they asked him, you know, like, you said in the interview the bag re- represents you, right? And what makes you say that? He's like, he's a follower of fashion style. He's always recognized the monogram. He loves the monogram. He loves the monogram. He loves the monogram. Wasn't he wearing cargo shorts when they interviewed him? I have no idea. And a short sleeve button down. Um, like I'm not one to criticize people for their their fashion choices because I I wear the same thing every day. Well, but this gentleman did not look like a connoisseur of fashion. And the Louis Vuitton bag, when he was wearing it, it stuck out like a sore thumb. Oh no, he was wearing high water khaki, high water blue khakis with worn out boat shoes. How do, how was that different than what I said? You said cargo shoes. Same thing. But the offensive part were the worn out boat shoes. Okay. Like, ooh. Um, but I, his, I gave you offensive. I gave you cargo his, shoes. His, like, his, his hope and dream is to someday visit the Louis Vuitton Fondation in Paris. And I'm like, so wait, 
you want to go to Paris and that's what you're most excited to go see is like the Louis Vuitton like museum girl. The other thing is that he says like he was influenced by his mother and grandmother. So I understand that and how they were always carrying purses. But that um, when he saw this bag, it's something that I can carry and still present myself in a masculine way. Girl. I'm like, girl, we saw you in that video. Not to, you know, not to femme shame, but girl, you femme. Yeah. Be proud of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> like, you should send him an email and let him know about that, that oversaturation that happened in the late 90s, early 2000s with Louis Vuitton in Japan mm-hmm. and let him know that he could have gotten another one of his little bags for like $400. If you are interested, <laughs> I will tell you this because for a while I was bored and I wanted a Louis Vuitton bag. Um, but of course I wanted like a Deauville or a sax to play like a vintage one. And I was like, fuck it. I want a purse. I don't, I carry purses. Like, right, right. I'm not concerned with it being masculine. I want it to be useful. And men's bags are not useful. Right. They, I hate Get them. Gets an important part. So anyway, I started to buy um, vintage Louis Vuitton bags from Japan. And because they do most of their business in Japan, there's a high turnover. Um, uh, you know, when people buy one, they'll like just buy another one. Right. And so a lot of them remain like unused in these people's closets. And so then they sell them to these, uh, vintage stores who then resell them. And so you can get a very nice vintage Louis Vuitton for like $300, $400, maybe, um, maybe a little more depending on the condition. And if you really know what you're looking for and educate yourself on the brand, you can make sure it's authentic. And so they came to me and I restored them and flipped them. Yeah. For fun. Is it one way to tell is that like the bags are made with one sheet of fabric? The speedies are. The speedies are made with one continuous sheet of fabric. And so uh, the LVs are upside down on their side. But like they should always line up. Um, The the leather should tan naturally because it's not coated. Um, There are ways to like authenticate the date stamps and stuff like that um measurements you know there's a lot of different ways to authenticate them because um you know they they remain standard i was convinced so when i bought the fake one that i had i was convinced that i was like "Ooh, this is a pretty good fake because it said made in france on the inside and in my head i was like oh louis vuitton made in france Mm -hmm. duh and then when i bought the real one i looked inside and it said made in spain and i was Mm like oh i see you i see you louis the glacé line was made in spain They have different, they they make them in Spain, Italy, France, and the United States. Hmm. They have, they have workshops. Cute. A lot of the alligator bags are made Hmm. because the farms are. Oh. Because you get the best alligator skins from Louisiana. Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, somebody tried to steal my bag. I said no. I would not do that. I suggest you do that. The based on the interview that you told us about, I feel like this man deserved to at least graze. But, um, yeah, that's a terrible thing to say. Um, do you want to talk about the other thing that we're going to talk about? Or do you want to save that for some other time? You know what? Let's be quick about it. Girl, let's just do it. Cause I'm, I'm, I feel a certain way about this. Well, okay. So with the Me Too movement and all of the other things, all of the, um, the, like all of the sexual assault allegations that have been coming up, um, all, all across different, uh, different industries, um, we felt, we felt that it was important to talk about a similar situation happen or a situation like that happening within the drag community. Um, specifically a girl who has been on RuPaul's drag race and you probably already know who I'm talking about. Um, so Mimi, I'm first 
uh, has been, um, can, do we say accused? Because it's been proven. Well, it, it's she was accused in a in a like a like a through vague booking basically by a a, a a Philly burlesque artist named Turnpike and two of the people who you know she had. Uh, she made unwelcome sexual exactly advances. came forward about it mm-hmm. philadelphia magazine investigated it mm-hmm. contacted her and she confirmed it yeah um, it doesn't make it any better that no, she confirmed it, it but like i have to say that I, I really this article is is very good in in the way that it is presenting everything yeah and it's not sensational which i really appreciate oh wow this was this did happen while we were at drag con mm-hmm. so i'm not crazy yes um I remember someone telling uh, someone talking. I don't remember if it was Pissy or Pissy came up to me and was like, girl, did you hear about this in a very grave way? Like a lot of people were buzzing about it because it's it's I think it's quite shocking. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's it's terrible for the people that it impacted. And it's it's not good for her at the end of the day, obviously, you know. um, But like at this point, who cares about her? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm saying like if this type of shit is coming up, like she needs to seek her own whatever that's called. Like she needs to make peace with the decisions that she's made Mm -hmm. in some way. We don't need to be concerned about that because I feel like we as the drag race fandom have -hmm. given her so many chances Mm -hmm. and she keeps proving that she is not worthy of any of these chances and they keep giving them to her. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's, it's very sad. Like the whole thing, it's, it's kind of, I don't want to say pathetic, but that's what it is. Well, because but it is kind of pathetic because it's clear that this is all coming from behavior that was aimed at her mm-hmm. probably at some point, I would assume as a child or a teenager. Um, I kind of want to fast forward to the part that, um, well, let's not gloss over the details. There were two, uh, there are two contestants from Drag Wars, which mm-hmm. is a, a, a Philly drag competition. Which she um, founded. Which, which Mimi, it's her thing. Which Mimi hosts. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so those two contestants were being, they, they were having these like late night online chat sessions Mm -hmm. that Mimi would initiate. Mm -hmm. And they basically felt like they needed to continue having these chat sessions because she would insinuate that she was going to either blacklist them Mm -hmm. or, you know, make the competition more difficult. She also, there was a, at one moment, one of these two gentlemen, uh, had a relationship and Mimi found out about it and there was some some form of retribution from her. Well, b- yeah, basically the, 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 the two girls that came forward are Lorna Doom and Lilith Delray, who competed at different in different cycles. Okay. Of, I kind of didn't want to say their names, but that's fine. Uh, it's in the article. I don't care. Um, Go ahead. Apparently, these are not the only two that she made, the only two contestants that she made advances. Right. But for for one of them, during her elimination... Uh, from Drag War, she basically said, like, you know, you need to take cocaine because you need to be awake on stage. And it came after um, her boyfriend confronting Mimi about advances and Mimi basically throwing a fit. And this was like the day before she would. That was the best she had. I mean, this girl's sad on so many levels. Um, so basically what happened is so they were they were having these late night chat sessions that were um that were basically like unwarranted not unwarranted but unwanted they were unwanted yeah. advances mm-hmm. and they both felt like they needed to continue with them because you know here is this big name in the drag community they're the head of this competition that I'm a I'm a contestant in mm-hmm. and they're taking an interest in me mm-hmm. so 
they felt obligated to continue doing it. And then she made all of these, like she insinuated all of these things to make them understand that if they stopped, something would happen. And um, one of them got eliminated. Like it stopped for a while. They started competing in drag wars. They were eliminated. And then the chats yeah. began again. Yeah. So it's clear that like Mimi knew what she was doing. Oh, absolutely. And that's the part that bugs me. So part of her, like a little snippet from her, um, her apology is her saying, I deeply regret that due to my nature as a public person, they felt pressured or obligated to partake in these conversations. One of which, which lasted over two years back and forth. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. And that's the thing. It's been happening since 2015. Well, but that's not even my point. My, my point is the wording of this, this mm-hmm. portion of her apology makes it seem like she doesn't want to take responsibility for what she's doing mm-hmm. and for her abuse of power. Well, yeah, she's in a position of authority as the, you know, the head judge and founder of this pageant. It's been going on since 2012. Right. And it has, it's, it's launched a lot of girls' careers. Yeah. Pissy won this contest. Yeah, and it, winner, it, yeah. it was a, you know, a huge springboard for her Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like are you really going to use your like i mean obviously she did so i don't even know why i'm asking the question but mimi uses her position of power what little power she does have for a lot of things Mm -hmm. we've seen that yeah i mean this is kind of like letting you a little too far behind the curtain yeah but we've seen that and this is not in any way like you know to like condemn her the whole reason fuck that condemn her condemn her all you want I don't get, I don't give a shit anymore. I am literally, I, I am tired of anyone Mm -hmm. because it was like when we met, when we first met Pissy, she was like, you know, I've, uh, like her relationship with, with Mimi was very different than Mm -hmm. it is today. And so she made me see a different side of her. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I started to look at her as a person as opposed to the leech that she is. And I'm tired of doing that. No, it's true. I'm tired of it. And it, it was it was interesting because when we did interview her a while ago, um, it was a different side of her than, you know, I guess what people normally expect, you know? Right. But to know that, like, she's trying, she's putting these things out and she's doing these tours and this and that and the other. And she's trying to, like, basically rehabilitate her career. Okay? But yet... She's preying on the contestants that are competing in this show in the hopes of advancing their own career. And they're trying to do it, you know, it seems like honestly and, you know, all above board. But you are making them feel flattered, right? And this is so typical of of people who take advantage of their position, right? You make the person feel flattered because you're paying attention. Yeah. You convince them that they're the only one, okay? And then you make them feel bad for you because you have whatever this kink is that nobody else is going to understand. Right. But what, like, I'm also very surprised that neither of these two men shared what the kink was. Like, they're being very discreet. They're being very discreet. And so is the magazine. So is the magazine because the magazine has the transcripts of the entire, like, two years worth of conversations with each of these. Girl, and so I—that's why I—I think that this article is doing a very good job of driving home the point of what's actually this. This is not about Mimi. This is not about this. This is just another instance of somebody in a place of power abusing it. But it is about Mimi. It is about Mimi. I know. But the thing is, this is not like 
let's humiliate her with whatever it is that she told these guys. But it's beyond that because Mimi has done so many things to humiliate herself. And I'm not talking about her run on Drag Race. No. She's done so many things outside of Drag Race to humiliate herself. Mm -hmm. One thing that I can think off the top of my head is when Eddie from Alan Chuck, um, when uh, after Eddie died at Pulse, they had a funeral for him or a memorial service or something in Sarasota. And she shamed people for not coming Mm -hmm. on Facebook. That is disgusting, deplorable behavior. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm saying. Like it should be, it should come as no surprise that she would do something this disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I'm tired of people giving her chances. Stop giving her chances. She doesn't deserve any of them. No, I mean, and and with this, this is like the nail in the coffin. Like yeah. you, how, like how dare you do this? Also, to be so like stupid as a public person mm-hmm. to do this, like you, like there are there are so many ways to have. In, in you know indulge in whatever kink or fantasy or anything that you want to participate in to 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 do that in a consensual way but if these people are telling you i don't feel comfortable with this and you're pushing and pushing and pushing so that they feel like they're obligated because they feel bad for you that's unconscionable well but even if they don't if you're initiating the conversation mm-hmm. and the conversation is of a sexual nature and you don't have any like Mm-mm. you haven't been given the green light by any of these people that Mm -hmm. that sort of conversation is on the table, Mm -hmm. then you're already, you're starting from a place of, I have power over this person Mm -hmm. and they like, they're afraid of what I can do to them. Mm -hmm. What I also don't understand is um, one of the girls actually took a, a break from drag because of all this and found it impossible for her to get booked because people knew that she was upset about this with Mimi. Right. And it's like, I don't know, actually know what the Philly drag scene is like, but how can one drag queen have so much power that her sexual misconduct and making other people uncomfortable and feel harassed is not... Like, there are more queens than her. She's just one person. Well, but it's... And it goes beyond the sexual misconduct. I mean, you say you don't know what the Philly drag scene is like, but we've heard stories about girls that who were being booked at certain bars and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden the bar is like we're not interested in you anymore mm-hmm. and the connecting thread is that Mimi showed up and poisoned the well mm-hmm. yep and there was all that drama with eye candy not involving Mimi but you know well but that's com- that was yeah. completely different but I'm saying it, it I I and, and what I mean by I, I don't know what the drag scene in Philly is like is that I don't I well, don't know well, what I, the mentality I, is in their heads as to what's going on I bring that up to show you that like she has power mm-hmm. there are business owners in Philadelphia that are giving her power by allowing her to get in their ear and and then ban people from being booked at their bars. Is it because she's the only drag race girl in Philly at the moment? I have no idea. But please, queens of Philadelphia, wash your tights, style your hair, get on drag race so that we can all wash away the the disgusting flavor of this terrible human being it's just it's so like, it's so nasty she needs to do something to rehabilitate her own behavior now mm-hmm. and it is none of anybody's business no she needs to go away and do that mm-hmm. because but, i have a feeling yeah. much like she ran from new york city and i don't have any information about why she ran from new york city any any concrete information well, girl, one day she was here one day she wasn't but so. i can guess that it maybe had something to do with this 
maybe had something to do with her strange business practices. You know, well, and, I and, I feel like, and I feel like this feels a lot like the Catholic Church, where if a priest is molesting a child, they'll move them to a different church. Whoop. That's what this feels like. Also, on another note, speaking of shady, shady business, there was that whole thing, I think it was last year, when she claimed that a, her roommate had like broken into her safe or something. Do you oh, remember that? Yeah. And there was no, there was like no proof. And I remember like seeing the threads where people were like, girl, come on. Wasn't it that like trade robbed her? I have no idea what happened, I'm, Be, but I'm pretty sure. And I don't feel, I don't feel any sort of bad about sharing that, but I'm pretty sure that's like, it's just, trade this robbed is her. like, and, and what I said to Robert when I read this is like, as if our community is not going through enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we are all supposed to take care of each other yeah. and look out for one another, not yeah. prey on one another. Yeah. No, especially in, in, you know, not especially in the drag scene, but like in general, but it's like, this is supposed to be like a, a sisterhood and we're supposed to be supportive of the art form. And again, help one another. Yeah. Don't like have, don't prey on people who are putting money and time and effort into something that they are hoping will make their career better well you know like it's so terrible i think at the end of the day if you're running a drag competition you're running a scam from the beginning because well. you're basically having you're having these people come and perform for free mm -hmm. in the hopes that they will win uh, some form of prize at some point mm -hmm. um that's how every drag competition works and it's a I mean, scam. That's drag race. But that's I'm not talking I mean <laughs> yes that it on on a on a much bigger scale yes that is drag race. But I'm talking about these bar competitions that happen. Mm -hmm. It's basically a scam yeah. where you have eight contestants and only one of them is going to walk away with something and you don't have to pay the yeah. other seven. And they pour thousands. I mean and you this know? is one of the bigger ones, you it's, know, like It's a great don't get me wrong, it's a great way to get your feet wet, mm -hmm. but like it's a scam. Yeah. At the end of the day, and the the least you can do, and you you see it, it with like bar competitions like Look Queen. Look Queen takes care of every single fucking girl that comes through mm -hmm. those doors. They make sure, and we've seen it. We've seen it on social media. They take care of every fucking girl that comes through mm -hmm. there because they understand um, they understand what it's like to be struggling mm -hmm. to show up to a bar at two o'clock in the morning and do a number and mm -hmm. hope that like the tips will be good and all this stuff. Like mm -hmm. they take care of all of the girls there. And there was the time that there were several opportunities, not opportunities, but there were several uh, instances where people were stealing from the dressing room mm -hmm. and the girls jumped to the aid of the girls. They all like, came at everyone, them. Everyone came out of the woodwork to help these girls out. And it's like, and, and even it's on, a family. And it's on, very and clear. At, at Smaller, and I don't remember if this happened at a look queen or not, but there was that queen whose uh, whose phone and wig got stolen. Yeah, and they were hanging out of another queen's bag, and Jasmine Rice saw it and stood in the doorway and was like, "That's not yours." So, like at look queen, they do take care of one another. But that's what I'm saying. It's like it's obvious that they're family. Yeah, and if they're going to ask you, like if one of the hosts mm -hmm. is going to ask you to stop by and do a number, or if you compete in the pageant that they mm -hmm. do they're going to take care of you. Like yeah. it's apparent that they're going to take mm -hmm. care of you. This is an abuse of power. Yeah. This, what is happening with drag wars and, and specifically and with Mimi is a fucking abuse of power. That's the problem with this. I don't, I don't know if there are other ones that, cause like I know Shaquita runs um, her own competition, but it's, and, and it's, it's great and people enjoy it. There was our lady. of and it's Unfortunately also called. Drag I know, wars. I know, but go Which to is a simple, a simple connection. Exactly. To go to, go to Shaquita's drag wars. You will not get harassed 
Well, by Shaquita. Um, <laughs> who knows what the well, bar patrons we don't, will we do. We don't know anything. We don't know anything. We know nothing. We know nothing. Um, but, you know, there was Our Lady <laughs> of Saliva where all the girls, you know, were upstairs keying and would compete. And it's it's about the artistry of it. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is for her to make money. And let's not even talk about that other drag competition that is no more. Mm. Where, like, you know, like. That was a pyramid scheme if people, I ever saw one. You know, people would buy many, many drinks to get many, many tickets and rig the competitions and. Oh, and then there was that one time that um, one of the bartenders gave mm-hmm. one of the patrons a more tickets, tickets, a few extra tickets, and yeah. um, they're yeah. It was happy anyway. hour, two for one, ten mm-hmm. for one. Mm-hmm. You know, anyway. so it's like these bigger ones, and and it, it's um, it's like I don't trust banks, I don't mm-hmm. trust these big competitions because at the end of the day you are paying an entrance fee to get it you are you, you know like well, the girls aren't seeing this money I that's what like, i'm saying i feel like we're getting off track my point with this is she's running this competition and so there are there are business owners and other people that are working with her that are complicit mm-hmm. in this behavior yeah so keep that in mind when you support something that mimi m first does mm-hmm. because she has this show coming up in philly mm-hmm. that's like i can't believe it's still happening and she's supposedly really good friends with John Cameron Mitchell, and it's a Hedwig like anniversary thing. Why has no one reached out to her and been like, "We're revoking your mm-hmm. rights if she even applied for them," because she's had that problem before too. Oh, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like there, there's I I could probably write a book if I did a little better if I did better research. Uh, I could well, probably write you know, a book. You hear things and you're told things. I mean, and the the thing is that this all of this came out you know almost two weeks ago. And right. it's been circulating and percolating. And it's like, I don't know if she thinks that because she just voluntarily gave a statement, like everything's cool now. Because her social media activity doesn't seem to have changed from the normal thing. Right. You know? Um, and she knew she did something wrong because that, that Facebook post that precipitated all of this, uh-huh. she could see. And so the next day, she actually contacted one of the girls in yeah. this article. It yeah. was like, I'm so sorry. that." Uh, so she knows yeah, like you understand you, that you did something wrong. You know that your behavior is not right. And it's yeah. like, not that sexual harassment ever, 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 ever permissible under any circumstance. But it's like, things are being looked at now in a way that they never have been before. And there are... But it's few, not about there being a new lens. This was very clearly an abusive power. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, you can't get away with this anymore. So stop trying. Everybody in general. Like, you can't. Like, because people are being called out, you know, and it doesn't matter that it's if it's Hollywood or your local drag bar. This is not going to be tolerated anymore. The tolerance is gone. It's just a countdown until she blames it on somebody else. Well, you know. So look out for that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we have a couple of listener questions that we're going to answer. So stick around. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Quip, an innovative oral care brand that makes it easier than ever to maintain a healthy brushing routine. The simple secret to great oral health is good technique, consistent brushing, and regular upkeep. Do away with the myth that more power and features means a better clean by trying out their beautifully designed electric toothbrushes. They also take the guesswork out of replacing your toothbrush by delivering a new head and fresh batteries to you every three months. Shipping is free and you can cancel at any time. We use Quip and it's made us smile more because our teeth are actually clean. Quip is offering you, our listeners, $10 off your first refill by signing up at tryquip.com slash kiki. Again, that's tryquip.com slash kiki. Quip, oral care designed for a modern lifestyle. We're back and it's time for listener questions. 
Um, do I? Do you want me to read the first one? Yes. Okay. Um, so Radix Roger says, "Hey girls, just listen to y'all's DragCon podcast and was shocked and disappointed. No one told you guys about King Taco. I'm a California local and travel to LA often. Sadly, missed you guys at DragCon, but King Taco is a must and cheap. It's an LA staple. And question." Who do you guys want on All Stars 4, including All Stars 1 and Season 10 girls? I need me some more Valentina. Love you guys. Um, I wonder if King Taco, I guess, is if King Taco is a um, is a chain? Oh, I don't know. I know we passed by a Macho Taco. Mm. Across from the Burger King. We went to the Burger King. We did go to the Burger King. I don't know why. There was a, there was a, there was a taco place across the street from the Burger King. We made the mistake of going to Burger King. I, I, I don't even know. Why, but we. It did. was good. It was good. It was good. We needed it. Don't reheat Burger King fries. No. Don't do it. Mm-mm. It's not a good idea. But I want to I get me some King Taco when um, we're back in uh, LA. Who do we want on All Stars 4? I will be very honest with you. I think that these all-stars seasons are happening a little too quickly. I think that we need a break. I know mm-hmm. that, that this is not what you asked. Um, <laughs> well, but you know, it's... But it's fresh on my mind. It is very fresh on my mind. Um, because I am sort of feeling like we shouldn't be recapping the show anymore. Because I'm sort of starting to fall, fall out of love with it. Be careful what you say, because we're going to get a comment. Great. I'll, I will take a comment. We're too dark. I... And I also feel like a lot of the negative commentary that we're getting from, I'm assuming listeners or ex-listeners, I don't know who's doing it, but it's basically like they talk negatively. This is, I'm speaking from the from the uh, the perspective of the commenter. Um, they talk negatively about the show. And if they hate the show so much, why do they keep recapping it? And it's something that's kind of like stuck in my brain. And I feel like I'm falling out of love with the show Mm -hmm. because it's no longer representative of what drag is. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, I kind of don't want anyone. I want everyone to say no to All Stars 4 because these girls have already come through the system. They've basically gotten what they needed from this buffet of drag. And it's now time for them to go and make real money because like i mean letting you in a little bit um they make peanuts per episode when they oh, are this, filming this the is show knowledge, though. they get four hundred dollars per episode oh i didn't know if that was oh yeah this, it's, it's out there so think about that mm-hmm. you know it's cute if you're uh you know trinity taylor you, you or shakulay get... who was on the whole season but mm-hmm. if you're you know vanji then you also get money from what i read and this might be a total whatever uh-huh. you also get money when you're mentioned or if your image appears on really? other episodes yes that that is which kind of makes sense in terms of like royalties i'm gonna confirm that but i i want to know uh, we need to confirm that we're mm-hmm. actually we're having jiggly on the next uh recap and i know that she was mentioned on season eight i want to say in well, one no, of the no, episodes no, no, no. it i think it's specifically your season Oh. Yeah, because like you're you're a part of that season. That's stupid. After you leave, all footage of you is theirs. Like I don't care anymore. You know. Um. Obviously, I think that uh, World of Wonder owes Shea Coulee a uh, one hundred thousand dollar check. If you can uh, double that, uh, that would be great. Can they just give it to her? Um, but I have. There's no doubt in my mind. Shea Coulee is a genius. There's no doubt in my mind that she will make quadruple the oh. amount of money that they owe her. If she hasn't already. If she hasn't already. So um, that's the only person that I'm looking for in All Stars Four. If I'm being very honest. I. I love the show because of who we're introduced to. Right. I love the show because we get to see people that we're friends with possibly get to change their lives. And honestly, they've all done well and all changed their lives for the better. Of course. You know, 
I don't like you said. I don't like what it does to them. So that's I feel the same way. However, I don't I, like what it does to any of the girls. No, and I do love my favorite part of the show in general is getting to know all of these queens yes. that I wouldn't know about otherwise. Otherwise, yeah. Um, I mean, Trinity Taylor is alive now. I mean, that was a beautiful thing to find out about. You know, like there are girls who you know, like was I asleep when we met Trinity Taylor? Did we meet her? Oh no, no. I mean, I mean, nervous. see, the thing is, yes, she just lives right here on our couch. <laughs> um. I was washing her tights last night. No, she like, you know, there are queens who you get a kick out of and you fall in love with because of their art. Yeah. And then there's all the shadiness. And obviously we talk about it, too, and feed into it and blah, blah, blah. But it was fun to talk about. Right. But now it's it's like a psych like psychological fuckery. Yeah. And it's not cool. I mean, and this might be me just getting a little too personal about it. But like three seasons in a row now, I've seen a queen that I respect and adore go on television and be made a fool. And I'm tired of it. Yeah. I'm tired of it. You know, mm -hmm. like and this season, there's more than one that's not being given mm -hmm. their their dues. I think there's only one for me. But um, I, I'm just being honest. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. Anyway, for All Stars 4, I, you know what? Give me some more Valentina. I want to see if she's grown. I really, because I, I loved Valentina at first. And I know she's cuckoo crazy and is, has not done very nice things to some people. But I would like to see where she's at now in terms of being in a competition. I just want to say something to Radex Roger about Valentina. Valentina is making so much money touring okay. that I highly doubt. And I and I'm not trying to like hurt your feelings or whatever. She would make excellent television if she came back mm -hmm. and she would be a very strong competitor. But she's making so much money doing what she's doing now, not being on television, mm -hmm. that I doubt she will ever say yes to any All-Stars season. It will never happen. So I wouldn't really hold my breath. I mean, my personal feeling is that so many girls are saying no to All-Stars that they're probably having a hard time casting. Mm-hmm. Like, again, probably maybe letting into letting you know too much of what well, we know. Well, they can just pull but, like, from Mimi on First Drag Wars. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> thank you for writing in. <laughs> I hope I hope for your sake that we do see Valentina back on TV. I think that'd yes. be really cool. And I also think yeah. in, the, in that same vein, I think Derek Barry would make excellent television. Oh, my God. All -Stars. She was so much fun at DragCon. She was so much fun. But I want... I want the Derek that was on season eight to be on. I mean, no, I, I don't mean that. I want the um, the glowed up version of Derek from season eight, but with the personality from from season eight on All Stars. That's what I want. Okay, you mean the one that actually does drag? The one we saw at Dragon. Girl, she That's was doing drag. <laughs> I felt like such an asshole because we so we could see Derek's booth because we were across from her and um I kept looking over at her and be like look at Derek Barry look doing drag look at her doing drag with her lace front look at this, this I have is to say, cute. she she has a sense of humor now that she did not she have really on on drag race and I feel like an absolute dick for being so mean to her when we were doing recaps and I will try better because I, I shouldn't so. be um with that being said we have another email from Benny from DeBlock, Jenny's mm. brother. So he says, Dear Grizzly Kiki Girls, I love your podcast. I'm a longtime listener slash looker and for and first time a looker. Oh, because of YouTube. Duh, right? Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, sometimes we're visual. Mm. Um, and first time voicing my glittery horse voice. Well, nay. I don't know what a glittery horse voice sounds like, but I'm going to imagine it. Nay, at some point. honey. So, nay. He he has a little thing about the his email is about the switch, which I know a lot of people are not terribly happy that we're not recapping, but it's four days a week and nothing happens on the show. It's true. So 
he's recapping it for us. So I'm going to read it. Okay. He goes, the girls are all amazing. My favorite girl from Chile is Sabelo. Yeah. She's from Argentina. Well, but she's a, she's representing Chile. Oh, okay. I'm. Sure Keep is. that in mind. Benny, you know I'm, that, I'm right? I'm just saying don't grade on a don't grade on a curve because Whoop. she is from Argentina. Mm-hmm. Remember that. And the, Robert's Chilean. He the Chilean the Chilean girls should be graded accordingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because she's fun and she's full of camp and character. My favorite extranjera is Miss Leona. She's sweet, nice, and talented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's quality. She has not had a single misstep. Mm-hmm. And there's that one time. But in general kind of perfect i like her you know um now his take on episode 10 i can't believe gia was declared safe and was awarded winner of the team challenge alongside with laura bell girl gia looked a hot mess and the judges had the nerve to pick her and laura no in the voice of miss alexis mateo i just a mess girl and in the voice of detox i've had it officially it's not fair to the contestants how gia is always praised for everything she does i get it she's very womanly but she's just a look queen with an awful attitude personally i want her out yes girl i went there <laughs> i understand and get the mentality of the producers i'm sure that they feel having gia on the show will burn rupaul's drag race viewers and many more however it fucking sucks as a viewer i'm angry girl i know every reality tv show has a storyline and it's not all reality but this show is really doing the most Yes, yes, you're totally right, and I agree mm-hmm. with you 100%. We actually talked about this, and we do believe that they are putting her in a position where she's safe and immune every week because they are pushing her through the end and just kind of not letting her compete. I just want to say one thing. Doesn't Gia's treatment on the Switch remind you of a certain blonde country singer from All Stars 3? Continue. Just saying. Just saying. Continue, please. So he also points out a memorable moment, which is when Diva Houston called out Gia when Gia was speaking on her behalf. And Benny says, I was like, yes, sis, let her have it. Yeah, that was a rough moment for me. It was a very difficult moment for me. Right? You, you were having a hard time. I saw you. Uh-huh. I, I, I knew you came back a little traumatized, but I didn't know why. I lived when she let her have it. Right? Ooh. It's kind Ooh. of like when, um, when she, because when Diva like, has had it, she's had it. Like when she was like, these are not my products. Where are my products? Where is my makeup? Oh, she's done. You know? And she's like, don't talk about my size. I'm also kind of sick and tired of them talking about her size. Cause well, you don't have to be sick and tired about it anymore. She was eliminated. Oh, I forgot about that. Did you fall asleep during the last Probably. episode? Probably. Probably. I told you that thing happens. I and for- when it does I happen. I forgot that she was eliminated and I remembered the other day and it made me sad all over again. Diva Houston is just everything and i would actually love to have a show i would too it would be our first spanish language uh interview that would be difficult Mm -hmm. so difficult um so he says benny in his best compton accent and i'm probably gonna butcher this he says i was like diva i'm you know i'm gonna say it in my in my um not compton accent how about that give us masterpiece theater Mm -hmm. i was like diva homegirl drag her and let her have it mama Love you, girls. Best regards. Benny from the block. Thank you, Benny. Thank you, that Benny. was a very enjoyable recap. I know. I'm sorry if I butchered your um your your phrase. I, I feel like uh, you'd, you'd say that to me like Chi-Chi at the end of uh, Tu Wang Fu. One of the things that Benny brings up is that the judges clearly don't know what they're doing. Um, and that's part of what pisses me off about the switch. Mm-hmm. And it's part of why we stopped recapping it, because like this is a fucking joke. They don't know how to judge drag. Like they don't understand drag at all. They praise things that are terrible and they uh, tear things apart that mm-hmm. are amazing. So I don't get it. Um, 
Our next listener question comes from Isobel. She says, hey, first of all, thank you for a great podcast. I count the days to every recap. Last recap got me thinking. You were talking about the fan base and how if you're a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, you need to be a fan of drag and support local drag. That is a valid and common point. A big part of the internet-based fan base, however, is international. In many countries, there is no local drag. I'm from Sweden, a very liberal and LGBTQ-friendly country, and we have a very small drag scene. My town has none. Drag simply isn't that big here. We had drag shows on TV in the 70s, and no one really cares anymore. Drag was more accepted than being a lesbian. I think that is why we get so invested in the queens on the show. We're starving. This goes hand in hand with the subject of racism in the fan base of RuPaul's Drag Race. I can only take my own country as an example, but I assume the same can be said for other countries as well. We absolutely have racism in Sweden, but it's a bit different. For example, I don't recognize the stereotype angry black woman that's been a topic of conversation this season. Swedish people don't like conflict and loud people. We're very quiet unless drunk. That means we react to the vixen and Eureka and any other loud queen, no matter color. That also means that I learned something listening to your discussion about the vixen and people of color being brought up to fit in by playing by the rules. However, a lot of the international fans might dismiss the vixen's reasoning, not because they are or aren't racist, but because their racism is different. That makes discussions on international forums like the internet impossible to have because we all come from such different cultures. Am I making sense? Um, and then she summarizes her email. Um, I think that obviously we all come from different walks of life. Mm-hmm. And that was a very interesting. That was a very interesting. Fascinating. Take. I think, though, that um, I mean, maybe being from Sweden gives you a different perspective in terms of race where it's more about um, the way you express your personality and expressing your personality in a loud uh, in a loud way is something that's going to get you treated differently Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to just being treated differently because of your skin tone. But I feel like there's proof that in other places and other parts of the world, you are treated differently because of your skin Mm -hmm. tone and you're looked down upon if you're, you know, Mm -hmm. like in in France has a huge black population Mm -hmm. that is treated less than because of their skin tone. I was there when there were riots and, and, you know, like, burning garbage cans at night yeah. in the um in the Algerian part of town because of how you know the Algerian immigrants were being treated because yeah. of their their skin tone um I, I mean, mean I, look at what happened in Haiti mm-hmm. Haiti and the Dominican Republic basically share they share an island essentially yeah. and the Dominican police were kicking out all of the Haitian refugees mm-hmm. and you know they they were making them homeless to start mm-hmm. and then once they were homeless they were pushing them back into Haiti mm-hmm. and it's like it, there's just I feel like there are different examples of what racism looks like everywhere but mm-hmm. I feel like it exists like it just it's well, there and, and that's what Isabel is saying I, I think what she brings up is an interesting point in that having it, it's it's kind of like like there's no tower of Babel for like uh like racism you know where everybody's speaking different languages but somehow they understand each other okay so like not everybody like 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 numbers how numbers are the same everywhere exactly like you know we all use arabic numbers right but we don't all we're not all racist in the same way which is actually kind of was a little mind-blowing for me the first time i read this email because i just thought oh not everybody knows about the trope of the angry black woman like 
you know, like this, you know, stereotype. I guess they don't. Right. And you that, know? that specific instance makes sense. Because... Yeah. But I, I do understand her thing about the loudness because it's like that um, in like certain parts of Spain that I've been to where it's like, ooh, like if you're loud they can't handle it you know and they look at you like you're you're lower class if you're if you're too gregarious or whatever you know but i mean spain also has a terrible race problem right and some you know anti anti-semitism as well um i'm i'm really glad that isabel wrote wrote in because i i would kind of like to know what racism looks like in sweden like what is it isabel that people in sweden use to discriminate against people who i'm assuming are not white or native Swedes, right? There, I mean, there has to be, mm-hmm. there has to be a a, a way, like a, a way that it exists, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I, that's why I'm, I'm asking. I'm very curious as to because she said how it's it's different, yeah. but I'm very curious to know what it looks like. Yeah, because like even in this country, among different cultures, racism's different. You know, the way that my grandparents are racist toward black people may not be the same that like a white person from a certain part of the country mm-hmm. is racist. You know, yeah. so it does it does. It varies regionally, culturally. It's and it's kind of disgusting that there are so many versions of racism, but it's also very fascinating. Yeah. You know, because discrimination exists no matter what. Yeah. It also I mean, it. I, I feel like it lets you how um, how people relate to other people when mm-hmm. you find out what you know how they were treated and stuff like that it's just it's 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 something that you have to understand it to fix it Mm -hmm. so but that was really that was a really cool perspective thank you isabel um our next email comes from i'm just and this is the last one and this is the last one and it means so much to us by the way so this is from dr nathan (laughs) and dr nathan says dear grizzly kiki I've been a long time listen sorry I've been a long time listener of your podcast and I wanted to extend a very heartfelt thank you for the work you do collecting so many fascinating and important queer stories in particular the work you have done has provided a huge inspiration into the formation of my own queer identity and values as I've been finishing my doctorate I'm a composer and I just completed my work <clears throat> on a doctor of musical arts and composition where my dissertation was a symphony that artistically renders the process of coming out in today's society while also celebrating queer culture. Much of the classical music canon simply uh, simply focuses on only our tragedies, sadly. Your podcast is specifically one of the resources cited in my bibliography. I uh, just about died. We've been (laughs) cited. And I mean that wholeheartedly. Damn. Um... The symphony, titled Arc of the Rainbow, is in five components. One, coming out. Five movements. Oh, five movements. I'm sorry. One, coming out. Two, second adolescence. Three, drag. Four, impulse. And five, pride. Four is pulse. Did I say What's impulse? happening with you? I don't know. I think I'm hungry. I'm, doing, I apologize. You're doing great, sweetie. Four, pulse. Fuck you. And five, pride. The symphony is set to premiere in the 2019-2020 concert season, and he's going to send us the program notes describing the work and individual movements in detail. And yes, we'd love that. That would be awesome. And and he's even offered to uh, pass along the recording to us after the premiere, which I'm super excited about. I can't wait. Um, And he has a sidebar. So he says, Thorgy came through our tour here. Came through on tour here. Oh, my God. Thorgy came through on tour here to Madison, Wisconsin a couple of years ago, and I was able to talk music with her for a few minutes at the meet and greet. It was incredibly exciting 
Uh, it was incredibly exciting. Are you having a, a stroke? I'm having a stroke. I smell toast. Um, it was incredibly exciting to meet her and talk music, and she may have also called me theatrical. Twirls opera cape. Did she end the conversation after that? Because that sounds like something she would do. Next. Wow. What else you They're got? They're going to start calling us bitter, <laughs> Robert. Keep up the great work, and let's keep the kiki going. We Thank will. you. Thank you, Dr. Nathan. And he even, I love that he gave us, like, the way to phonetically process. That's smart. Which, thank you. That's smart. Thank you so much. And we're looking forward to hearing this, like, this is um this is I, really cool. Girl, you stroked our ego hard. Whoops. Like, I'm not even gonna lie. We're sighted. How many movements? Um <laughs> How many bells spells? Bells, bells, bells. That's so cool. Thank you. That is this is so like humbling. <laughs> Incredibly. Um, um Yeah, between your symphony and uh the girl who wrote in saying that she was... Oh, my God. The girl who was writing about us and RuPaul for her final exam after being in the hospital. That's crazy. Like... Very, very humbling for me. Yeah. I can't wait to hear your mm-hmm. symphony. It is, it is definitely humbling more than an ego boost, really, because um, when we get these emails, I think to myself, like... Oh damn! What are they citing? What do we say? <laughs> um, but I, you know, it, it it is it is yeah. Well, because this is this is fun, but it's also important for us as yeah. a project, and so um, and apparently it's important to other people. We too. Um, we've said this a million times. We never thought that it would reach this many people from our tiny cramped apartment in Queens. Yeah. Um. So it really does mean the world to us that it is um touching people the way that it is. In an appropriate, in an appropriate, way. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, girl. Um. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Uh, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are Grizzly Kiki on all three. And you can send your. Gri- <laughs> really? Yeah. And you can send your questions to grizzlykiki at gmail dot com, and we will definitely read them on the air. And don't forget to subscribe. Oh, hold on a minute. Oh. Yeah, way to fuck up my ent- my ent- um, my entrance. Look at that. <laughs> you look at that. Are you are you done having your stroke? Because you're it's con- it's. I almost said it's congested. What am I trying to? Say? What's the word I'm trying Congenital? to use? Congenital? No, no, that's heart failure. No, it's uh. What's the word when you have a cold and you don't want to give it to somebody oh my else? God, it's contagious. It's contagious. And contagious. Bye, and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. So until next time. Wait. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's when you were supposed to interrupt. Uh, oh. So you go. Um, I want to try something different because I'm tired of the bye at the end. I know. Um, and I wanted to use a phrase that my mother used to say all the time. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know your mother was uh, known for her phrases. She is. Mm. Um, so until next time. Si es polla, tiene que ser bueno. I told you I'd stick on the brain. Bye. <laughs>